You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast. I'm Tyler Donahue, joined in just a moment by Tyler Calvaruso. We have a big recruiting weekend to set the stage for. We also have a big recruiting weekend to look back at as the Nittany Lions continued their 2024 recruiting class construction in a significant way, adding a couple of four-star prospects on the defensive line. Deion Barnes has been a busy man this summer, assembling new commitments. We're still keeping an eye on another 2024 prospect in that position group, and we'll break down all that, look at some lingering question marks at other position groups, and give you kind of an updated look at where this 2024 class is now with 24 commitments. Uh, We are now under the 40-day mark from season kickoff, September 2nd, West Virginia coming to town and take on these Penn State Nittany Lions. Daniel Gallen, Mark Brennan from Lions 24-7 are currently out in Indianapolis ready to provide coverage from Big Ten Media Days, which has kind of been thrown upside down uh, considering the looming reported four-game suspension, that report coming uh, from Yahoo Sports for Jim Harbaugh, Michigan's head coach, uh, two-time defending Big Ten champions. Look like they'll be without their head coach for the almost the first month of the season. Four home games for what look like cupcake matchups for Michigan. But between that and the Northwestern situation, there is a bit of a circus brewing out in Indianapolis. You factor in the incoming Big Ten uh, teams with USC, UCLA. There's so much to kind of take a little bit of pressure off what we expect to be a top 10 team in the Penn State Nittany Lions. But we'll have you covered with full focus on Penn State from Mark Brennan, from Daniel Gallen. Online247.com Wednesday and Thursday. We'll have them both on our next episode of this podcast as well to break down what they saw and what they heard and what they witnessed out in Indianapolis. But this episode, we're going to focus in on those recruiting efforts that Penn State has put in and what they still have ahead here as the summer prospect camp circuit comes to a close. Tyler Calvaruso hops back on board with the Lions 24-7 podcast. Tyler, welcome back. Thanks for having me, man. How about that Harbaugh news? You know, Michigan's really going to be in trouble against East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, and Rutgers now. Thanks for the, thanks for throwing the alma mater there, because uh, yeah, that, that, we'll, we'll see what happens. It certainly does not look like uh, if you're going to have a, 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 a head coach suspended coming off of a big uh, Big Ten championship run, that's the best four you could probably line up on this schedule. Yeah. We'll see how it pans out. I, I want to hear more details on, on what this may mean for his involvement week to week with the program You know, through September. You know, Still waiting for stuff like that from the NCAA. But on the surface, it doesn't look like Michigan's going to be pummeled by this result. But at the same time, uh, you do take away some kind of advantage on a game day when you lose a guy that like Jim Harbaugh, oh, yeah, I'd imagine. Yeah. And otherwise, he's severely and highly overpaid and and and, and maybe did. so <laughs> let's jump into a different topic of conversation there because the Big Ten Media Day stuff will go on and on. And that'll be uh, the centerpiece of uh, Lions 24-7 here the coming days. But by the time this weekend comes to us, it'll be recruiting back in the forefront at Lions 24-7. We've got the Elite Showcase Camp, the fourth installment of that series of camps 
coming on Friday. Uh, you and I will be on campus. Daniel and Mark will be making their way back from Indianapolis. Hopefully all the flights work out so we can see them back on the field to finish out strong with the camp coverage. Uh, but then you stick around Saturday. It's not something that we're going to be privy to, but we'll be hearing a lot about it, following up with recruits about it. The annual Lash Bash festivities, that barbecue style event that takes place at, at the Lash building. And it looks like a, another beautiful weekend brewing here, at least on the surface from the weather forecast in Happy Valley. So that's always a good thing. And Tyler, this is that that punctuation mark to the end of what has been a very eventful summer in Happy Valley for the Penn State recruiting. Yeah, and this is always pretty much the signature weekend for Penn State recruiting during the summer, and with Lash Bash being really the signature event of the summer, one that is geared more towards the underclassmen. You know, sometimes we see the current class guys get on campus. You're definitely going to see a bunch of commits on campus. Sometimes, you know, there are still big targets in a current cycle that make it to campus for this Lash Bash barbecue. Not really looking like the case this year, but, man, that 2025 and 2026 group that Penn State has coming to town – Really, really intriguing group, big names, priority targets across the board on both sides of the ball. So it's an important weekend coming up for the staff, and I think it's one that they've been uh, kind of looking forward to for a while, you know, continue building those relationships and lay the groundwork for the success in 25 and 26. We're going to break down this weekend ahead some of those visitors that we're most excited to, to kind of get involved with uh, in terms of reporting out of this event. Uh, but we'll start with a couple of key additions to the 2024 recruiting class, which, as I mentioned at the top of the show, now up to 24 pledges on board for Penn State. It's been a long time now, it seems, since Cooper Cousins was the only guy on board for so long. Anthony Specka, Kari Jackson out of Michigan uh, joined him during the winter, and here we are as these guys set to embark on their senior preseason camps, assembling quite a group. It's number six nationally right now, Tyler Calvaruso. It, it, it jumped inside the top five momentarily, but that's how recruiting class rankings work. They're usually not the same the next day. Yeah. Number six right now. Uh, and, and the Friday edition, I had a chance to hop on the commitment announcement that he did with 24-7 Sports and, and, and join host Steve Wiltfong for that. Liam Andrews out of the Dexter School in Brookline, Massachusetts. Hopefully our, our listeners caught some of that coverage uh, and that show on on Friday late morning here at Lions 24-7 on 24-7 Sports Network. But if you didn't, uh, it's all up at Lions247.com. Liam Andrews, I went into detail why he made this decision. And uh, Tyler Calvaruso, let's get in the prospect profile before we talk a little bit about how this one got done from a recruiting perspective. This is one that shifted from an offensive line target last summer towards a defensive line target and along the way maintain its priority status. Yeah, I mean, we might as well start at the beginning. I mean, going back to last summer, Liam Andrews makes it to Penn State for the whiteout camp and worked exclusively as an offensive lineman, dominated the day. He was the best lineman in attendance along with Cooper Cousins and the group of uh, 2023 Penn State commits that were on campus that day. And David Williams, Alex yeah, Birchmeyer, Anthony Donka, all blue chip talent. Uh, and, and, and also Liam Andrews, who, as we said, was on par with those guys. Yep. He was right there along with them going rep for rep. And at that point, I mean, he stood out as a potentially elite offensive line prospect. I've, you know, I had some familiarity with Andrews dating back to when I covered Boston College. So being in that New England region, a lot of people have been talking about him from a young age. And used to see him in person at that whiteout camp, you could see that he was oozing potential on the offensive line. Then as his process goes on, he decides, hey, look, I want to take a crack on lining up on the defensive side of the ball and playing on the defensive line. And Wisconsin was the first school to start recruiting Andrews as primarily as a defensive lineman. A lot of other schools, they came around on that as time went on. Penn State was one of those schools, obviously. And I just think that the combination of Penn State coming around on prioritizing Andrews as a defensive lineman 
that was huge for him because his relationship with Penn State staff and a bunch of the Penn State commits, I mentioned Cooper Cousins, he's really tight with him. So just to have everything fall in place in that regard where Penn State wanted him at the position that he wanted to play and the fact that their relationships are already in place. Now, there is one relationship that had to be, you know, kind of solidified on the fly, and that was the relationship with Dion Barnes, since Andrews and Barnes didn't really have much familiarity with each other. I mean, when Andrews was in town for the Blue-White game in April, that was the first time he and Barnes got the chance to speak in person. And they really gelled that day, and that carried over to Andrews' official visit during the first weekend of June. And at that point, you know, South Carolina got Andrews for an official visit in the middle of June, and it definitely gave him something to think about. But really, when Andrews sat down and went through the most important sticking points in his recruitment, what he was looking for, it was the relationships at Penn State. And what is Penn State getting out of Liam Andrews as a defensive line prospect? There are a lot of people inside of Lash who are very excited about Liam Andrews' potential on the defensive side of the ball. And I think after watching some of Andrews' drill work during the spring in one of those New England showcases that were hosted – I believe it was in May. It was either late April or early May. And, I mean, you just see how he moves off the ball and athletically. I mean, he's got that kind of versatility to him where he could realistically be an elite prospect on either side of the ball. Penn State feels that he is. He's a bigger interior defensive line than the previous additions in the class. I think that's something that's very important to note, given Penn State's desire to beef up on the interior of the defensive line. But, I mean, honestly, I think this is probably the second biggest get of the cycle behind Quentin Martin. And I think that kind of speaks to the level of prospect Andrews is, and it speaks to his position on the board. And he was Penn state's top overall target for months leading up to his commitment. Listed six foot five, 260 pounds. He is the number 101 overall prospect in the top 24, seven, the number 17 defensive lineman, the composite rankings actually put him inside the top 100 at 92 overall. And Liam Andrews, I think what you referenced there and did such a good job, you know, going over the blueprint of how they got to the finish line here is they really played hot potato in, in some ways as a coaching staff. It was a collaborative effort when you know you go back to, to Frank Leonard and Phil Troutwine making that on-field impression last year. Uh, and, and James Franklin, of course, is, is looming in the background of all this or looming at the forefront, uh, depending on, on, on the time and place, uh, an official visit versus maybe a camp visit. But then you, you got John Scott step on in and, and take on this big role within the process. And the NFL comes calling for him. And I think if you went through the transition of not just going from offensive line coach or offensive side of the football to defensive side of the football, but also went from one position coach to another, and then you lose that position coach, a lot of schools would have been kind of doomed from the start there. But you mentioned it, the internal promotion of Deion Barnes, they had some catching up to do, but at the same time, he'd been in that facility. He had been working with John Scott Jr. He'd been within that room for multiple years now. There's a reason why the people who were inside that room were clamoring him for him to get that job. And ultimately, you start to wonder as, as we reach the end of July here, and we'll get to the next man who joins this class in a moment, T.A. Cunningham, but June opened with no defensive line recruits on board, Tyler Calvary. So what are they at now? Five pledges yep. on the defensive line, uh, and, and they still have some work to do there. We think there may be some more blue chip additions as they work ahead. So this is the this is the the feather in the cap to me, the one that stands out. I'm with you. I think he he is the the, the top defensive prospect. If I point to that side of the ball, take a longer look maybe at some of the other guys like a fellow New Englander, Liam Reynolds, or I'm sorry, Luke Reynolds. Uh, two names that I continue to to, to cross for whatever reason over and over again but those two guys out of new england really stand out you mentioned quentin martin he's a special player 
And we got to start talking about what Ethan Grunkemeyer is doing right now, yeah. not only inside the top 200 overall in this 2024 cycle, but he is now in the Under Armour All-America game, which you know, not a lot of guys get invited to that matchup. So he's going to finish out his high school career in early January in one of the bigger showcase matchups of the of the annual recruiting cycle. And then about a week later, he'll be in that quarterback room getting to work with Mike Yersich. So those are some of the names at the top of the class. It's deep, though, now, Tyler. And, and we've got to factor in another defensive lineman because T.A. Cunningham out of Miami Central, but a guy who has had a cross-country roller coaster of a recruitment in his uh, high school career to this point, multiple high schools involved. He picks Penn State on Saturday afternoon. Another four-star pickup, and as I mentioned in our preview of his announcement last week, listed six foot six. But you factor in the wingspan and how much ground he actually covers. You're talking about a six foot eight wingspan. He's a space eater, a territory grabber, whatever you want to call it. That you can stick in the center of your defense, and he comes from a very, very unique recruiting background. And in my opinion, this one—if this one hits for Penn State and from a cultural standpoint with T.A. Cunningham and it's a fit here the next few years maybe a major steal in terms of where he is in his recruitment versus where that was a year or two ago. I agree. And I think it makes him one of the more intriguing recruits in this class. You got to keep in mind, T.A. Cunningham in the beginning of his process was a five-star recruit on the composite. I believe going back to the early stages for him, he was as high as number four in the nation on the composite ranking. So that speaks to the raw traits and skill set that he has. And, I mean, his high school career, you said it best, it's been a roller coaster. This is going to be his fourth high school in as many years. It's going to be his third high school in three states. There's been a been lot a, There's been on. an eligibi- a high-profile yeah. eligibility battle last year out in California. And, and by the way, when you're talking about a guy who's a, a, a five-star, a top-ten player when the initial rankings come out for the class, that means he's probably had a regional focus, if not a national focus of some sort, going back to like seventh or eighth grade. That's the way that works. Yep. So major spotlight on Cunningham for a long time now. Oh, yeah. He's definitely no stranger to the spotlight at this point in his process. And it's good that you bring up the eligibility concerns because, you know, it cost him a lot of his junior season. And when he came back, when he was finally ruled eligible to play at Los Alamitos, he wasn't necessarily as dominant as a lot of people thought he was going to be. You know, some of that was the rust coming off. Some of that was nagging injuries he had to deal with. But, I mean, really, you know, seeing that tape not be at the level it was when he was at Johns Creek in Georgia as a sophomore where he was a really dominant presence on the interior, I think for some programs it kind of called the evaluation into question a little bit. I think it caused some staffs to take a little bit of a step back. Penn State ultimately was not one of those staffs because they liked the evaluation, and the frame here is the big reason why. Six over six foot six now. He's inching closer to six foot six and a half, I believe. You mentioned the six foot eight wingspan. I mean, this is just the kind of guy that Penn State does not have in its his twenty twenty four recruiting class on the defensive line. I mean, you know, arguably on the roster as well. He's just got a different build to him. I, I his wingspan. He uses that to his advantage in multiple ways when it comes to shedding blocks and getting active in the passing lanes as well, batting down passes at the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. So he definitely knows how to use his length to make an impact on the defensive line. And I think at the end of the day, when it comes down to what T.A. Cunningham is going to accomplish at Penn State, I think Penn State, its its main focus is going to be getting him to buy in to the grind of playing the defensive line in the Big Ten. T.A. Cunningham, his work ethic is definitely not in question. You know, he, he posts workout videos all the time. He gets after it. There's no doubt about that. 
But playing defensive line on the interior specifically in the yeah. Big Ten, it's a different beast, man. It's something that he's going to have to you know, mentally prepare for and get ready to take on, as does every other defensive line commit in the class. It's not exclusive to T.A. Cunningham. But with him, you know, just given everything that he's been through and just so much that has gone on throughout his high school career, Penn State's going to get have to get him to really lock in. That is something that they feel that they can do. And once that happens, if and when that happens, they agree with their assessment that he's potentially a steal, just given the size and given the traits. And if he takes to the coaching well, I mean, you're looking at a potentially elite interior defensive guy, I think, if he hits his ceiling. Yeah, I mean, it, and I want to kind of reframe my my description of him so people out there aren't picturing like a mammoth, slow, <laughs> plodding defensive tackle because I'm talking about a space eater and, and all that kind of stuff. But he is six foot six, and, and as you said, maybe maybe pushing beyond that, and, and and we talk about how much room he takes up, but he's only about two seventy five right now, and, and you really see well. that film. Yeah, there's a lot to build out, the filled-out frame. You're not getting a sloppy big defensive tackle that you got to break down for a year and then try to build back up. I think from a physical standpoint, what you're going to get inside your facility here is a guy very much like Liam Andrews. There's not a lot of holes to poke in how these guys are built right now at 17 years old. And so that lends you some optimism that when they come here, yes, there's always going to be a period of breakdown build up that, that comes naturally with the high school transition. But I think it's not a prolonged period for either of these additions on the defensive line, which you know gives you some hope that whether it's year one, year two, there's not necessarily that long, let's put him on the back burner kind of spot, because I think both these guys are primed to come in in a college weight, weight room and, and a college conditioning program. And really by the time their first fall hits, they're going to be starting to look that part like they may be ready for some Big Ten trenches. Whether they are fundamentally and mentally, that is the big question here. But I think physically you're getting two guys that kind of have that year one ready meant, uh, uh, you know, p- potential uh, from that perspective. And, and with Cunningham, really quickly, you look at some of his highlights, batting down a bunch of balls. Yep. you got to go back to that sophomore year in Georgia when he last played a full season, but 22 tackles for loss. I mean, it is highlights. He just is is disrupting the pocket on so many different ways with that length. But to your point, how does he react to life in the interior? How does he evolve to that in the Big Ten? Because those highlights, he's coming off the edge uh, pretty repeatedly over and over again. And, and we'll see what it looks like here as a senior. A lot of eyes on him in Happy Valley to see what that progression looks like. Um, and it's going to be interesting recruitment to follow for because if he does produce the kind of senior season where he, where he picks up and kind of reminds people, hey, I, I'm that guy. Remember remember how much y'all loved me when I was 15 years old? I'm still that guy. You know, Reconsider my trajectory. Does that open the door for some uh, for, for some interesting, contentious recruitment possibilities as you go towards signing day? I think that's something we've got to keep an eye on as well. But right now, Cunningham, Liam Andrews, both with Penn State, 24 commitments on board and solidly inside the top 10 overall. Uh, let's, let's put the spotlight on Deion Barnes before we move forward because we just said it. Goes from zero commits coming into June to five commitments. Jalen Harvey is a big fish still out there. Kind of tie us into to where we are now with this defensive line group. What's still out there, and why you think Dion Barnes has gotten where he has in the first four months on this job? Yeah, I don't think he can really ask for a better start. His his role as Penn State's defensive line coach, I think uh, think he's picked up relationships left over from John Scott Jr. pretty much better than anyone could have anticipated. And you know, people do have to remember that Dion Barnes. You know, he was around as a GA, he was familiar with some of these guys, but not all of them, you know, not every single recruitment 
had Deion Barnes written all over it when he took over as Penn State's defensive line coach. He had to make up ground with a lot of guys in a hurry, and he was able to do that. I think that speaks to his ability to relate to some of these recruits. I, I think his NFL background helps a little bit in that regard. You know, and He's not too far removed from his playing days, so he can relate to the modern game. He knows what it takes to play at that level, and being able to pitch that you played at that level and you can coach guys up to get to that level, it's important. You know, it's definitely something that recruits – it opens their eyes, and Barnes has that working in his favor. And I just think that, you know, going out and landing Liam Andrews, that's kind of, that's the kind of get that you definitely would not expect out of a defense, a rookie defensive line coach who's on the job for less than six months. I mean, that's, that's not typical. You know, that's not something that you see play out every cycle. And it's the kind of get that really, change, I think, changes the perception – of the defensive line hall for this cycle. I think it takes it from a good group to a potentially elite group. I, I think when you're able to go out and land that caliber of recruit, it speaks to your recruiting chops as a coach. And I, I think Deion Barnes, he's getting there, man. I think uh, I, I've always said that I thought 2025 was going to be the true indicator of who he is as a recruiter on the defensive line, just given that he would have a full cycle to build relationships and get to know guys. But we're already starting to see this move by James Franklin play dividends right off the bat in 2024. So I, all the credit to Deion Barnes at this point in the cycle. He's done a heck of a job landing that defensive line group. His first year on campus as a player, he took home some hardware as the Big Ten freshman of the year. His, his debut year as a position coach, not just at Penn State, but at any level of college football, at least on the recruiting trail, going pretty well thus far. And we're going to see what the results look like. We've talked a lot about it on the show this summer. We'll do a lot more of it in August. He has depth. He has experience. Yeah. He has some serious five-star talent within that room. You look at the uh, defensive end, defensive tackles. We'll see what it looks like when he gets a chance to put these guys and unleash them in September. But right now, as he's building towards the future, you like what you're getting out of Deion Barnes in year one. Uh, look, what do we – I mean, it feels like we've kind of been flip-flopping between wide receiver and, and defensive line. What's the biggest priority for Penn State during this 2024 cycle? It's been the conversation for months now because both these – position rooms with first-year position coaches reach June without a commitment. That changed in a hurry for the defensive line room. As we said, the first June uh, or the first weekend of June, they get Xavier Gilliam. Now they have five guys committed. Jalen Harvey's out there. Uh, and then we've got uh, the, the wide receiver group adds three players in, in a span of 72 hours. And I'm wondering right now when we look ahead, defensive line, wide receiver, are these still the primary priorities? Does one of them have the edge over the other right now? Or am I evading a position that we need to put the spotlight on more? I think they're both definitely still priorities, but the number of options is dwindling and the number of spots available is dwindling as well. That's also something that you need to keep in mind. Specifically at wide receiver, I think Marcus Higgins would like to add one more. But really, I mean, realistically, the options are kind of scarce right now. Chance Robinson, the Miami commit, top 24-7 wideout from Fort Lauderdale, plays at St. Thomas Aquinas. He, he's been one of the top names on the board for a really long time. And Penn State has not stopped its pursuit, and neither has Florida. I mean, Penn State's not the only school trying to generate a flip here. It's the Nittany Lions and it's the Gators. And Miami has done a nice job of hanging on to Robinson to date. That staff's done a good job of making that happen. But what's going to happen through the fall? Because this is a recruitment that's going to drag on. That might include Robinson getting out and making some visits. And – I mean, I've had, you know, if he makes it to the whiteout game in September, that is something that could potentially turn the tide in Penn State's favor. Now, obviously, he has to make it before we could get to that point, but it's in the cards. It's not out of the realm of possibility. This is one that's probably going to go up until the early signing period, and Penn State's going to be there 
until the end. I still think Florida has a slightly better job of generating a flip if Robinson is going to move off Miami. But again, there's really a long way to go in this one, and Penn State's not going to let up with Chance Robinson. Beyond him, Hardly Gilmore just released a top three of Penn State, Kentucky, and UCF. He's going to be announcing his commitment soon. And, you know, Penn State's been doing some pretty public peer recruiting of him on social media, but I have a crystal ball pick in for Gilmore to land at Kentucky. He closed out June by taking an official visit to Penn State, and the visit went well, but I don't think that it did enough to move the needle off Kentucky for the former 2025 recruit. So I think Wildcats are in the best spot to get that one done right now. Jonathan Paylor, top 24-7 wideout from North Carolina. It's not looking like he's going to make it to Lash Bash, and he's got a decision coming up. NC State's looking really good there right now. South Carolina's still in that as well. So, you know, those are the really the three that stand out on the board. I mean, there's been sporadic contact with a guy like Rico Scott, who's committed to Alabama, and, you know, Jalen Hornsby as well, the Texas A&M commit. So we're going to have to see what comes about on that front. But right now, I think Chance Robinson is really the focus when it comes to wide receiver recruiting. And Jalen Harvey, the focus of defensive line recruiting? Definitely. And I mean, his recruitment has been a whirlwind, but it seems like uh, I think it's back. I'd say it's back in Penn State's favor a little bit more than it was at this time last month. I think uh, think the best way to put it when it comes to Jalen Harvey's recruitment is that a lot of the noise has kind of died down. And I think the ball is more back in his court when it comes to what he wants to do and where he wants to play at the next level, as opposed to what other people want to see him do and where they want him to play at the next level. I think this is kind of more back on Jalen Harvey's shoulders at this point. And Penn State has been hearing a lot of good things from Harvey. And I think uh, some of the optimism that Penn State had with Harvey ahead of official visit season, I believe it has returned. So as things stand right now, I mean, I stand by my crystal ball prediction for Harvey to wind up a Nittany Lion. It's definitely taken a lot longer than a lot of people anticipated. I mean, he told the Penn State staff coming out of his official visit that he was done taking visits. And when he announced on June 23rd, it looked like Penn State was in the best position to be that pick. That obviously didn't happen. Then July looked like Harvey was going to announce on July 4th. That, again, obviously did not happen. So we'll see when he does indeed actually want to come to a decision. You know, there are whispers that it might be coming soon, but we're going to have to wait and see on that front. But I think uh, I think it's more positive than negative for Penn State on the Harvey front right now. And that's really the first positive update that we've had in a while. You know, there's been a lot of skepticism surrounding his recruitment, but I think Penn State's kind of starting to settle back atop that list. Maybe this one required some gritting of the teeth, some patience along the way, but yeah. I feel like you'd rather get Harvey's commitment after he's had all this explore, exploratory time to really make sure, check out other campuses, have the other conversations versus getting his commitment and then having him have the itch to go do all that. You know, if you can yeah. weather that storm and get him on board at the end of the day, that's a very firm commitment. If you get him on board and he never actually experiences that and it's something that's eating at him during the next few months, Maybe it's not a firm commitment. Of course, it's got to actually happen. They've got to actually pick up that one. But a four-star edge rusher and, and, and one of those names to know moving forward in the 2024 cycle. Uh, there aren't many left, right, Tyler? I mean, we're at 24 commitments. We're starting to see uh, that list of possibilities dwindle. And what are you looking at in terms of this staff? Because they got to coach the team. Uh, obviously, the recruiting is never going to stop. But we're going to see a bit of a shift in where the the, the focal points are, and where the emphasis is for this position uh, and, and coaching staff. 
what do you think about the 2024 class makeup moving ahead? Um, we already talked about wide receiver, defensive line. Anything stand out to you? Are we starting to get into the status of looking for those luxury pickups where you leave the door open for some top talent guys and whatever happens, you creates that room, you leave some room. Because again, when you have the, the powder keg, that might be a top 10 season, a college football playoff push. You got to leave some room for, for, for possibilities of what that might open for you on the recruiting trail. Yeah, I think Penn State has reached that point. I think as a 24-man class, you know, ranked sixth in the nation, just outside the top five, I think they've loaded up on enough high-end quality at positions of need where Penn State can kind of pick and choose where it wants to address moving forward. And they definitely are going to be leaving the door open for flip candidates. You know, really regardless of what plays out on the field, Penn State feels that it might be able to sway some guys who have committed elsewhere. And you got to keep in mind also, you got to, you know, keep an eye on the future and the transfer portal season as well, you know, saving, saving some spots for some transfer portal pursuit once the winter rolls around. That's also on the staff's radar. So I think right now, I would say the staff, it, it definitely has its eye on some of the names we've discussed who are already on the 2024 board. They've got their eye on the flip candidates. They've also got their eye on the late risers. I mean, we saw that payoff for Penn State last cycle with Shimdi Ono and Zion Tracy coming on strong. Really, what was Cam Wallace? Yeah. I would throw Cam Wallace to some degree at running back. I think you throw in there too. Definitely. No, yeah, you have to. I mean, given the timing of his commitment. So we've seen Penn State be active on the late riser front, and it has paid off for them in many ways. So I, that's definitely a focus of the staff right now as well. But they're really pleased with the 2024 group and how things have come together. A lot of the names that were high on their board entering the cycle, they wound up closing. So I think as a staff, they're pretty pleased with the direction that they're heading in they're pleased with the way this cycle has played out to date. And, and this 2024 class is going to be really well represented for Jalen Harvey, no matter where, where he looks, I guess, because as you noted, I think last week, uh, Xavier Gilliam and him are, are now teaming up as seniors, mm -hmm. right? Yep. They're going to be teaming up at Quince Orchard. And I, that gives Xavier the chance to continue working on Jalen Harvey, depending on how long he goes as an uncommitted recruit. I mean, that Quince Orchard team is going to be loaded this upcoming yeah. season. So it'll be interesting to see those two guys working together on the defensive line. We'll be right back on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, so looking ahead a little bit here, this week we've got the last elite showcase camp for Penn State. It's the fourth and final of that. There's been the whiteout camp that we covered also back in June. But this is it in terms of our access to, to camps, and, and then Penn State's going to get to their own camp but just a couple of weeks later. Uh, but, Tyler, you'll be back in town. As I said, we'll have our uh, feet on the turf once again and watching uh, what looks like a really strong collection uh, of, of prospects on camp. We're working on that list. It'll be up at lines247.com. One of the names I wanted to spotlight here, though, um, because the confirmation coming Tuesday, and I think Alan True was on this story, but um, a riser in the Midwest at the quarterback position, starting to collect some offers, 2025 prospect coming to campus uh, on Friday, and he'll throw for Mike Yersich. Yeah, Carson Boyd. He's, he's going to be one of the names that we're keeping a really close eye on on Friday. I think, uh, you know, he's a three-star prospect right now, plays his prep ball at Cardinal Ritter, which is in Missouri. And he's got some impressive offers. Cincinnati has offered Illinois, Louisville, Iowa state. There's a lot early in his recruitment. And this is a pretty busy week for him when it comes to throwing, he's at Alabama to throw for the staff there today. So, I mean, he's going to be making it to Penn state on Friday. He's got a lot of throws under his belt this week, leading up to that. And he'll be a focal point of the attention for Mike Gerches throughout Friday. So that's definitely a name to know for Penn State fans. We have to see if an offer comes from that. I think if one pops up, we could uh, pinpoint him as maybe a priority in 2025 moving forward. You know, that quarterback board that we broke down on 24-7 earlier this month, it's still pretty open. They're still searching for names to add. So Boyd could be one of them. Yeah, he's, he's an interesting prospect because uh, you, you look at those offers that you just listed, a bunch of them have just come in recent weeks. Yep. You know, he's starting to really find that momentum. Cincinnati, Purdue offered him after a camp when he was on a Big Ten campus last month. Illinois also offered him out of the conference. And then Missouri, uh, nearby Missouri, the, the latest Power Five offer for a player that we'll get a chance to see on Friday. Uh, and then comes Saturday, of course, always attention on it. It's not something that we'll be able to give everyone a play-by-play live uh, details on like we can from a camp, but We'll do our best to, to get to the bottom of what Lash Bash uh, means for this 2024, 2025, 2026 recruiting class um, as we move forward out of it. Tyler, looking ahead to it, though, before we get a chance to, 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 ch- to catch up with prospects who experience Lash Bash, it's quite the list that we've put together at, at lines247.com. And I know it's only a Tuesday, so it's going to continue to expand one of the more notable ones was from a 2026 prospect that I caught up with today. But let's go with the 2024 cycle. A ton of commits on campus for Lash Bash. Yeah, there are going to be a lot of commits in town. And really that the benefit of that is, and similar to what the benefit was last year when they had a bunch of 2023 commits on campus, you get, you know, it's a different kind of pitch from commits to recruits. You know, it's not a... It's not the same deal as talking to the coaches throughout the day, getting around those commits and learning more about the program through their perspective, the perspective of a recruit. That's big for a lot of these underclassmen, especially given that some of these guys are still pretty new to the recruiting process and being pursued by a program like Penn State, given its stature, it's a pretty big deal for a lot of these guys. So they're looking to get some insight into what it's like to be part of this Penn State program as a recruit, what it's like to be recruited by the staff, how the staff forms relationships and really just how they go about pursuing their guys. 
commits have the opportunity to provide that unique insight. And frankly, that is something the staff counts on them to provide because they know there's only so much that they could say at the end of the day. It's good for them to get a second opinion from a group of prospects who are obviously so high on Penn State and are prepared to play for this staff. I'll add another note on the presence of those commitments. It's not just about their impact on, on some of those younger, uh, you know, the next men up on the recruiting trail. It's it's about you know solidifying everyone's feelings about coming to Happy Valley yeah. in 2024 and 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 spending three, four, five years together working towards common goals. And you know, text threads are great and, and they get the job done. And, and now there's a little more FaceTime action. You can get face to face with guys, but. I think this will be a really good spot for some of those players who came on board in June and July. Maybe they weren't part of that big official visit weekend back in mid-June when a bunch of the commits got back to campus. So before they all get home and, and focus on their own high school teams and one last you know shot at state championship runs and all state opportunities, I feel like this is always a really good chance to blow off some steam, get together. Hopefully, a few, uh, hopefully several of them will camp on Friday and we'll get a chance to further evaluate them. But we know a bunch will be in town on Saturday. And I think that's a big, big deal because, because look, you get that brotherhood, you get the bond going, you start to turn the names into faces and, and familiarity. And, and that goes for not just the prospect to prospect interactions, but mom and dad and mom and dad and, and, and whoever else you're bringing to campus, you can leave just feeling like you've got even more solid feet underneath your, your uh, you know, more solid ground underneath your feet as a Penn State commitment. And I think anytime you can do that as a staff, it's a win. Um, looking ahead to 2025, though, is where it gets really intriguing because a lot of this is sorted out in 2024, 2025 class, really just starting to see st things take, take shape. And a big storyline has been the in-state targets. But I want to get to a quarterback with you here because we talked about uh, one 2025 quarterback coming to camp on Friday, one coming in on Friday late, sticking around for, for some uh, on Saturday, Beckham Kritza out of Miami Central. We just saw them pick up a commitment from Cunningham with that same program. What do you make of, of Chris a, a visit? And he's a guy who does have that offer from the Nittany Lions. Well, he's definitely a priority quarterback target for Penn State at that point. At this point in that cycle, I think he's definitely emerged as one of the primary options for Mike Erickson company. And he has camped at well, he visited Penn State in March, and he got a good look at Penn State's offense that day. And he feels that he is a fit with what Erickson likes to do with his quarterbacks, and that's pretty important if he does get to camp. On Friday, really, he told me it depends what time he gets into town. He, if he's there early enough, he would like to participate in the camp and work with Mike Gertrude. And I think that'd be pretty interesting to see those two come together and kind of, you know, see how they mesh as a coach and quarterback relationship. That'd be really interesting to see. And I think it could be a big point in where Chris's recruitment maybe goes. But Miami's in a pretty good spot early on. I mean, it's kind of, uh, Proximity definitely works in Miami's favor early on. Chris is a Colorado native, but now that he's down in Miami, obviously he's got pretty easy access to that campus. And the Canes have taken advantage of that early in his recruitment. And I think that they're definitely going to be a long-term player for Chris. But I think Penn State has that potential as well. And especially if they hit it out of the park with him on Friday and Saturday, I think you can see Penn State continue to move up his list. So he's definitely a name to know in that 2025 quarterback group. Six foot five, 182 on his profile at Lions at 24 7 Sports, number eight quarterback nationally, number 142 in the top 24 7 uh, for that class of 2025. And and this is a guy who, like his teammate in Cunningham, I just was checking his history a little bit because uh, I thought this was the case, started his career in Colorado, uh, went out to Southern California yeah. in 2022, and, and now here he is in, in South Florida. So 
a bit of a journey. He's got a couple of years left to really create that name, but he's already laid a, a major foundation for himself as a Power Five prospect, despite a, kind of a strange and, and, and unique journey at, at the high school level to this point. Uh, elsewhere in the 2025 class, I, I think it's hard to ignore the in-state presence. Uh, who stands out to you on the guest list thus far uh, as you work your way through Pennsylvania rising juniors? Yeah, pretty big in-state presence for this, as there usually is. I mean, Brady O'Hara is a top 24-7 athlete. He's going to be back in town. Penn State likes him at tight end. This is going to be his fifth visit to Penn State in the calendar year. He's got an early crystal ball pick in for the Nittany Lions to get that one done. And I can understand why, you know, given the frequency that he's made to campus and just the relationship he has with tight ends coach Ty Howell. And I, I think that one's definitely trending in Penn State's favor early on. We're going to have to see how that one plays out. And after coming out of this latest visit, Mike Carroll, the Penn State legacy, we've talked about plenty throughout the latter part of this summer. He's going to be back in town. He's going to be heading to Michigan, actually, the following day. So that, that's an interesting yeah. little development in his recruitment. But it's, it's, just, it's an interesting weekend to be visiting Michigan. It is. It definitely is. That's that's for sure. May have, may have some questions, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, really with Carroll, you know, he's in a position where he, he has made it very clear that he's high on Penn State. And – he has a Michigan State offer as well, which is intriguing to him. He has a South Carolina offer, which is intriguing to him. But it feels like one of those recruitments where at the end of the day, as long as things line up, it's going to be tough for him to say no to Penn State, just given the history of his father playing there and the, t the relationships that he has with the staff. All that's going in Penn State's favor early on. Those are the two standing out to me from an in-state perspective. I mean, going outside of the state as well, it's really impressive. Marquise Davis, four-star running back from Cleveland, he's high on the running back board early on. And he this is going to be his first trip to Penn State. And I, I think that's going to be pretty important for him in determining where the Nittany Lions stand beyond, you know, just the summer heading into the fall. Is he a candidate to make it back to campus for the whiteout? Is he a candidate to make it back for another game visit not involving the whiteout? I think this weekend could play a part in determining that for him. And, you know, at wide receiver Vernon Allen from Baltimore City College, he just got an offer from Penn State recently, and it's actually pretty clear given the invitation that's already been put out that he, he's moving up that board. Top 24-7 tight end. James Flanagan from Wisconsin. So he's going to be getting to campus on Friday at some point, and he's going to be in town in the early part of Saturday. He's leaving. He told me he's going to be leaving camp, leaving state college around noon. So really the bulk of his visit is going to come on Friday, I would say, but it's also it, regardless of when he's there, it's a big opportunity for the Penn state staff. He's a Notre yeah. Dame legacy and Notre Dame already has a 2025 10 end. But Flanagan remains in a high place on that board, and Penn State's going to have a pretty big opportunity to make a strong first impression. You know, they offered during the spring, excited to get him in town. And then just circling back to Pennsylvania players, you know, Deshaun Burnett, the linebacker from Pittsburgh, from Monte Christian Academy in Pittsburgh, he's pretty excited about this visit. And, uh, you know, he's a name to know. And when it comes to 2025 linebacker recruiting, we're going to have to see what Penn State decides it wants to do with its linebacker board in terms of prioritization. But Burnett's in, yeah, he's an intriguing player. He's an impressive athlete. He's been to Penn State a bunch of times already early in his recruitment, and he'll be back in town on Saturday. And then Khalil Stewart from Philly, got the chance to catch up with him earlier this week. He started his high school career at Roman Catholic. He's actually over at St. Joe's Prep now. He's making the move there for his junior season. He'll be finishing his high school at the Philly Power, and he'll be back in town. Intriguing interior offensive line prospect, handful of power five offers. He's been on Penn State radar for a while, so they're going to keep pursuing him as a priority. So, I mean, the list goes on and on. We're still adding names to it. There are going to be plenty more additions before Saturday rolls around. But for me, those are the names standing out right now. 
Yeah, our VIP subscribers at Lions 24-7 can keep track of how that list is growing leading up to Saturday and then following that event in the aftermath. We'll get feedback, reaction, how this impacts. And I'm glad you brought up the, the setting the stage for whiteout visits and in-season visits because, yeah, that's you want to say goodbye, but you also want to say see you soon at this event if you're mm-hmm. the Penn State staff. You want to say, okay, when are you coming back next? Let's start to plan that, and, and you can start to get the, the, those dominoes falling in the right direction. Um, I, I wanted to point out one name that you didn't hear there in the 2025 class who got an offer, who we said certainly early on we like where the Nittany Lions are trending. Josh Williams out of the Haverford School in Pennsylvania. Still like where the Nittany Lions are trending. The offers are going to keep coming for him, but he's actually on a family vacation in Europe, uh, so he's going to be missing out on this event. I uh, just wanted to put that out there because uh, you know, we were talking about some of those June momentum builders, and, and that's one of those guys that was one of those names. 2026, also well represented here. And I think that the, the headliner has to be Messiah Minkins, who we had a chance to see in camp action back in June. Certainly looks like he's going to flirt with five-star status by the end of his high school career. He's got about 20 offers as a rising sophomore running back uh, at Trinity and Camp Hill playing under a former Penn State player. And, and and there's just a lot to like about how this one maybe lines up for Penn State, given their history of in-state running back uh, recruiting, given the early recruiting relationships being established. I saw him and Coach Sider working alongside each other at camp, really liked what I saw from the two of those working off each other. But a long way to go in a recruitment that already includes the Alabama Crimson Tide. Yeah, every, he's told me that every time he makes it to Penn State, he gets that family feeling from the Nittany Lions staff, and he that's something that he really appreciates and likes about the program early in his recruitment. But his recruitment, it, it's going to be a national one. I mean, he's already taken visits to prominent programs across the nation. He's going to be highly sought after, and Penn State's going to have a fight on its hand. But it definitely has a bunch working in its favor when it comes to keeping him in Pennsylvania. And like you said, I mean, the history of landing elite in-state running backs – that's part of it. Their relationships are part of it. And it also it can't hurt Penn State that Jordan Hill is the head coach over at Trinity. You know, yeah. Penn State has someone in its corner and he's close to Mickens. So that could work in the Nittany Lions' favor as well. So there are multiple things that you could point to and say, hey, look, if Masai Mickens winds up in Nittany Line, this is why. Yeah, it's a good thing right now at this stage of recruitment that still has a long way to go in it. Uh, Another 2026 prospect from the state of Pennsylvania that that I know we're really high on after getting a look at him here in June, Elias Koch, a rising sophomore at Harrisburg High School. He's labeled an athlete by 24-7 Sports. That's really how Penn State is approaching his recruitment early on as well. They offered in June after he went out and really shined during the 7-on-7 tournament, helped lead Harrisburg to a championship. He had three touchdowns in the semifinal matchup. He had maybe the play of the day in the championship game a full extension grab that earned a quick response from james franklin and about an hour later james franklin offered elias coke this will be his first time tyler coming back to campus as an offered man his next offer generally will be offer number 20 he went to florida state for a camp in june came away with an offer he went to penn state did some on-field work came away with an offer he's got five or six big 10 opportunities already swirling around this kid could be a safety, could be a wide receiver. We've had a longer look at him at receiver to this point in front of us. But tell you what, uh, this is one that as much as you can build a foundation early because the top dogs across the college football universe are becoming a Harrisburg for this young man. Yeah, he could also grow into a tight end too. We kind of just have to see where his growth takes him. He's a big body. Six, six, two, 195-ish yeah, right now. Again, yeah. just a sophomore. Yeah, yeah. so he's already uh, he's already pretty well along on the physical development front. And I think, I mean, we saw him at that seven on seven tournament and he stands out right off the bat. I mean, he's just an impressive athlete, big bodied wide out. got the length to make some really high impact plays 
in the passing game downfield. I think that's something that Penn State likes about him. He showed some good things defensively as too, playing in the secondary during that seven on seven tournament. So there's more to his game than just the offensive side of the ball. He, he can get it done on defense as well. But it seems like early on, Penn State's looking at him more on offense. And I think that, uh, that that'll probably continue throughout its pursuit of Elias Coke. And another in-state recruitment in 2026 that looks like it's going to be a high-profile one with the yeah. national offers, visits all over the place, and a lot of schools from outside the region come and call. I mean, he's already got an offer from Florida State. That's one that stands out to me. So he's going to be one of the better players in the state in 26. I mean, that 26 group is just so, so impressive already. And there are probably players in that class right now that are going to burst onto the scene that we're not even really talking about or familiar with entirely yeah. just yet. So those two are the headliners, but, man, that 26 group, of guys like Coke and Mickens at the top, watch out. Yeah, tossing Kevin Brown, another sophomore yeah. at Harrisburg, an offensive tackle that we think is going to be a big-time talent moving forward. Still tracking, to, still trying to track down where he stands for this last bash, but he's also a priority for Penn State. He picked up an offer as a freshman. He also impressed uh, back in June here on campus. And one other name I wanted to get to among the youngsters that we're expecting at last bash is a quarterback out of Philadelphia. You confirmed this when you had a story up at lines247.com, Samaj Beals. Another guy who has a very early offer list that is loaded mm -hmm. with in, intriguing Power 5 programs. He has a lot of quality options early in this process. I mean, Alabama has offered, Texas A&M has offered, Penn State has offered. That's kind of just the tip of the iceberg for him. And he's a, he's a South Jersey native who's playing at Roman Catholic. And, you know, he's got familiarity playing with Tysier Denmark. That's got to help in some regard. Tysier's probably had some good things to say to him about the program. But Beals, you know, when we talk about 26 – you know, beyond quarterback, beyond the skill positions, I, mean, I think he's going to be the headliner at quarterback. I think he's got that kind of talent. I think he's got the potential to be a highly ranked guy. So he last visited in April, got his offer shortly after that, and Penn State's high on his list early on. So this is an important visit coming up for Smodge Beals. Yeah, you see the offer list thus far. You see Penn State not hesitating to offer a, a high school quarterback in the state who only has one year under his belt. These early offers in the state of Pennsylvania – should be viewed very differently than yeah. early quarterback offers in California or Florida or Georgia yeah. that the Nittany Lions put out there. It's a different offer when it's in state quarterback. Um, what else do we need to know here, Tyler? We're jumping into a big weekend. Uh, what should our Lions 24-7 VIP subscribers expect as we get that churn going again with a big, big few days on the recruiting trail? I think they really just got to keep eyes on the site and keep an eye on that visitor list because it's going to be growing every single day leading up to Saturday. You know, we already have a bunch of names confirmed, but that's really just the start of it. This is going to be a pretty big lash bash, you know, 40, 50, maybe even 60 recruits, depending on some of the confirmations that we get with guys able to make it to town. Some guys are still figuring out travel plans and if they can indeed make it. So it's, it's a huge event. I, I mean, it, it's yeah. something that, underclassmen recruits who are being prioritized by Penn State, something that they look forward to. It's a prestigious invitation for those guys. And, you know, the staff does a good job. Based on all the feedback that I've ever received about Lash Bash, I mean, the staff does a good job of really making each guy feel at home, which can be kind of difficult in a bigger setting like that when you got that many underclassmen recruits coming to campus. But the staff seems to have it down to somewhat of a science. So, it's an opportunity for Penn State to lay the foundation, like you mentioned before, get some of these guys back on campus down the road. So really, our subscribers just got to keep an eye out for that visitors list growing. And then, of course, I mean, the feedback coming out. 
that's probably the most important part of this. What did these guys think of the visits? What do they think of the staff? What do they think of being around the commits? And a when are they coming back? A lot, exactly. There's a <laughs> yeah. lot of elements that we have to cover coming out of these visits. We're going to have it all for our subscribers. Yeah. 30% off an annual VIP subscription at lines247.com. Take a test drive if you'd like that instead. $1 for one month if you're already on board. Thank you for your subscription. We hope you're enjoying yes. the content on the site and here on the podcast. I want to point out one more thing about what this Friday camp represents. It's not just about all these big names with the early offers coming to campus. You've got rising seniors, but more so in this conversation, rising juniors who are on the hunt for Penn State offers. And they understand this is their last chance to really go out and do it in front of Penn State staff until next summer. And by the time you're talking about the summer before your senior season, it might be too late to get that Penn State offer. And the name at the top of that list that we'll be watching closely, Mikey Scott, wide receiver out of Dallastown, uh, Pennsylvania, a guy that will never have that great size at the position, but very, very polished as a route runner. The guy was impressed on the camp circuit at Penn State. They came to seven on seven tournament in, in June, had himself a, a really solid day. Also had the attention of guys like Marcus Higgins, the wide receivers coach. James Franklin was taking a look at him from the cart. And we know that Mikey Scott is, is you know, based on our conversation with him last week, that we had a story at Lions 24 7. He says he's going to come to campus and go home with an offer. He, he did not shy away from it. He has goals in mind. And I think that's just a great reminder, Tyler. We go to these things. And there are these underdog stories brewing and there are guys coming for camps. We get kind of enamored with the names that already have the offers, maybe already have the ratings and ranking status. But Mikey Scott's a guy who's got the power five momentum brewing. Maryland gave him a, a Big Ten offer not too long ago. Things are moving in the right direction, but it seems like he'll be unfulfilled a little bit if he goes uh, back home and the Nittany Lions don't make the move on Friday. So some of that compelling intrigue and just stuff that may be beyond the beaten path that we'll be monitoring, we'll be reporting on on Friday uh, for our VIP subscribers. And Tyler, I know that you're amped up to see a guy like Mikey Scott and, and just a bunch of other campers go and get their shot because it can be too late once you get through your junior season to land on, on this kind of a program's radar. Uh, yeah, seeing, the, seeing those guys who emerge at these camps, that's probably my favorite part of covering camps. You know, Granted, it's great to see the commits work, and it's granted to see the high-profile recruits that we're already well aware of work, but if any if we could ever see a guy burst onto the scene, and whether he picks up a Penn State offer or not, really, you know, sometimes these guys come to camp, and while they might not get an offer from Penn State, they turn in a performance that really solidifies themselves as a power five prospect. So right. that's always something that I really enjoy about these camps. So I'm looking forward to getting back to town. All right, man. I'll see you very soon on the field. Thank you for your continued coverage at Lions247.com. Thanks for always having me, man. All right, Tyler Calvaruso getting it done as our resident recruiting expert at lines247.com. As I said earlier on this episode, Mark Brennan and Daniel Gallon, our colleagues at the site, are out in Indianapolis. Confirmation that they have touched down out there in Indy, which is always a good thing when you're trying to travel through the air these days. They are ready to cover Pat Kraft, the athletic director from Penn State, James Franklin, the head coach, and a few players that are out there, Adisa Isaac, the defensive end, uh, safety Keaton Ellis, and additionally, offensive tackle Olu Fashinu. There'll be a bunch more going out there at Big Ten Media Days. They will bring it to the site uh, at lines247.com and also bring it to the podcast on our next episode. They'll break down everything they saw, heard, and experienced in Indianapolis and what it means for this upcoming Penn State season. Thanks again to Tyler Caparuso for hopping on to break down what lies ahead and what has been accomplished in Penn State's recruiting efforts. We're back with another episode later this week. Stepping aside for now, I'm Tyler Donahue. This has been the Lions 24-7 Podcast.